1: Everyone
2: thinks he or she is the best football expert on the planet. I'm just playing for pride now. And my prize gun. We're very passionate people here. Oh, well. Uh, Woo! We're ready to come for the W, yeah?
1: Dude, these girls will smoke you, man.
2: Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Mirror Game walkthrough once again. Delighted to be here for another week. Uh, welcome to the sh- weekly gaming news show full of hot takes and juicy gossip. Uh, I've got some exciting guests with me and some exciting topics, so why don't we introduce them? Uh, we've got Tom Lynch returning once again from last week, a familiar face. We've also got Aaron Potter, the new Mirror Gaming content creator. Welcome, guys. Uh, I know, Tom, you were on last week, so welcome back. Um...
1: How's it going, guys? Pleasure. Good to be back.
2: <laughs> Great. Thanks. For, thanks for coming on, Tom. Really appreciate it. And Aaron, uh, you're making your debut today. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, you've only a couple of days into your mirror gaming career. So uh, for any new guests, we always ask them to introduce themselves. So uh,
0: the floor is yours. Tell, tell us a bit about you. Uh, yeah, I'm um, Aaron. Happy to be here. Excited to, you know, make my debut on the mirror gaming podcast this week. Um, been right about games for a while uh i'm a big playstation guy at heart uh just in case you can't already tell by the massive light in the corner there uh but anything uncharted last of us related which will come uh come up again later on in the show uh i'm your man but yeah happy to be here and excited to talk some games
2: great absolutely we're all very excited we've got some really really great topics for you guys today we've got the nintendo direct which is happening tonight at 10 p.m uk time so we're going to talk about our predictions for that uh, we've got uh, a major update in the microsoft activision blizzard acquisition deal uh, and how the cma said it could harm uk gamers we'll be explaining all that a bit later on we'll also talk about the last of us episode four even though i haven't seen it so it might be a spoiler free uh, look at that as well um just for my purposes uh, we'll also talk about how the last of us part one has been delayed on the pc uh we'll talk about the ps plus collection being axed which is a a very uh, a weird topic that we'll get into a bit later on there's a few other things that we'll we'll get into a bit later on as well but why don't we start with nintendo direct um Nintendo announced uh, yesterday that Nintendo Direct will be streamed live at 10pm GMT, that's 5pm ET or 2pm PST. Uh, The presentation is set to be roughly 40 minutes long according to Nintendo, and speculation is rampant all over social media about what we're going to see. There's a a big elephant in the room in regards to Zelda, um, the new Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, um, which is highly anticipated by me and millions of people around the world. But we could see a a few other games drop as well um aaron i know you're uh, big on nintendo uh have you got any any kind of
0: predictions or hopes for what you want to see this evening in nintendo direct um i'd like to see a bit more about potentially something story related about tears of the kingdom obviously breath of the wild was relatively light on story and this looks to be a companion piece to that game uh in all but in all but name really so i'm hoping we'll get some more story details find out what uh, what's Link's mission in this game, maybe something relating to his weird kind of stone arm that he appears to be using. Uh, and I'm hoping that they'll show a bit more of the, the sort of Sky City, which seems to be uh, the sequel's sort of like big major uh, new addition, because obviously this game has been in the oven for quite a while, going on six years now potentially longer than that um so i think nintendo's going to hold their cards to their chest and keep some juicy surprises but yeah for me i'm a big narrative guy and even in a game like uh, in like zelda that pulls me through so hopefully some something story related
2: 100% absolutely we've already got some comments as well um if you really appreciate everyone who's watching the stream right now if you've got any comments you want to talk about anything that we're talking about or you've, you've got any suggestions for us or just general questions really we'll we'll look at the comments and and answer any any relevant ones throughout the show uh scott uh hey scott you're right uh, jasmine also in the in the chat as well uh hi guys thank you so much for joining uh scott mentioned advanced wars advanced war sorry uh i know aaron we spoke about this uh, yesterday. uh Um, Do you want to give a little bit of background about Advance Wars uh, and what what it is and why people might be expecting to see more about it this evening as well?
0: Yeah, sure. So, like, Advance Wars is very much the sort of sister series to Fire Emblem, which has obviously just had a major new release in Fire Emblem Engage. I've been playing that a little bit and enjoying it a lot. But it's kind of like, as the sort of popularity of Fire Emblem started to rise, Advance Wars sort of was sort of left on the back burner a bit. I'm pretty sure we haven't seen Advance Wars since... Since the Nintendo DS, like a like a first fully fledged uh, entry, and obviously, Advance Wars the the reboot camp uh, is a remake of one and two. Uh, it does away with the the normal pixel, pixel perfect pixelated art style in favor of something a bit more modern. Um, but I think I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that it was roughly around about a year ago to the day uh, this month that uh, it got delayed. So, uh, you know, for events that are happening around the world, Nintendo didn't think it. You know. Um, Proper to release the game uh, last year, so I think that it's been in the oven. It's had time to be polished, and it's it's basically a, a, a military turn-based tactics RPG where two fictionalized uh, countries are you know constantly at war with each other, and uh, it's just good old turn-based tactics fun, really, like no frills. I know Fire Emblem, you know, in recent years, in recent entries, they've sort of added a lot of relationship stuff where you can romance characters and build up bonds. Advance Wars isn't really known to do that. It's kind of like if you want to get stuck into nothing but the gameplay and you want to, you know, enjoy, you want to ride your tanks into battle and decimate, uh, you know, some soldiers. But in a way that's kind of cutesy, because obviously this is a Nintendo game. Advance Wars is, is, is the perfect way to do that. So, yeah, I think the rumor on the Great mind is that the Advance Wars Reboot Camp could shadow drop as early as the Nintendo Direct itself. because obviously it's been, it's been ready for about a year. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed that happens, uh, because people have been waiting a a long old time.
2: Yeah, I've just noticed, that it's just because producer Will's put us all on the screen, I look a bit smaller than you guys, so I'm just going to shuffle it up in my chair a little bit. Uh, cause you... <laughs> it's just a... There you go. There you go. There's better. Thanks, Will. Appreciate that. Um, Tom, I know we were talking before um, in terms of our topics and things with Nintendo. Talk to me about your relationship with Nintendo. Um, have you... Do, you... Do you like Nintendo games? Have you had consoles previously before?
1: Yeah, I mean I had a Nintendo DS uh GameCube and and stuff growing up. Um I think I bought the Switch a, a couple of months after it after it came out, but I've never really been like invested in the eco- ecosystem all that much. Um, you know, I, I've played some some Mario Kart and Mario Party with friends here and there. Uh, but in, in terms of actually like getting into the, the minutiae of, of their of their catalogue and stuff like that, it's not something really I'm uh too interested in. I played Mario Odyssey. Um, which i really really enjoyed. Uh Breath Breath of the Wild didn't really didn't really hit with me so i've i've got really no interest in the, in the next uh, Zelda game which i know is a very unpopular opinion i'm sure. Um but yeah it just tends tends to be like the the temp pole kind of Mario games uh, Smash Bros i enjoy quite a lot as well. Uh but beyond that uh, i don't really play play too much Nintendo stuff.
2: Well, that's fine. I mean, everyone's got their likes and dislikes. You know, you're allowed to like what you like. And that's the thing with gaming. There's so many different genres of games and types of games out there and different consoles. You've got the choice of, you know, all these amazing consoles that are out. So, no, absolutely. Um, But is it... Sorry, go on,
0: Alan. I was going to say, I think that's Nathan's polite way, Tom, of saying you're allowed to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I got that as well, yeah. It's just really between the <laughs> lines. <laughs> <laughs> because on this
2: podcast, you've got somebody who absolutely adores Breath of the Wild, which is myself. Uh, Aaron, who only gave it an 8 out of 10 um, in in his review previously, and then Tom, who doesn't like it. So there's an interesting balance there. Um, but just going, going on that kind of 8 out of 10 um, review, Aaron, I think one of the reasons you said that you didn't give it that is because the lack of dungeons in the game in comparison to to different ones. Um, what do you think they'll do for this one? Have you seen any hints in the, in the gameplay we've seen so far that might envisage dungeons coming back or what what are your hopes there?
0: Well, I keep, I don't think we've seen anything explicitly, but I keep racking my head about what else new can Nintendo put because Breath of the Wild is such an interconnected sort of like barren world anyway. And the reason I quite controversially tend to say that Breath of the Wild is the best 8 out of 10 game ever made is because I love the game. But yeah, the lack of dungeons, you know, as like someone, you know, who has a history with that series was something that was really lacking for me. Um, you had the Divine Beasts and obviously they were great. But in terms of like a multi-layered challenge field uh, dungeon where you have to actually process and think about it, I think with the sequel, Tears Tears of the Kingdom, that is an area where there's an opportunity for Nintendo to better uh, Breath of the Wild um, I know people hold it in such high regard. But I've, for me, the, the shrine inconsistency in that original game, like some shrines you walk into and it's amazing. You're you're having to move like giant boulders around or bounce yourself from one side of the room to the other. And others, it's just a fight or you walk in and you get the the item. So they were very inconsistent. And I think if there was there were about six or seven dungeons um, in Tears of the Kingdom, I think that would do a lot uh, to remedy it for me. Um, Sky Dungeons. How about that? I know I keep going back to the sky thing, but I think there's a real opportunity for Tears of the Kingdom there to impress.
2: Yeah, just looking at some of the some of the comments. Uh, hi, Connor. He says he's loving the show. Uh, thanks for joining us, Connor. Uh, Scott as well. Um, hi, Scott. Uh, you mentioned this morning that the last time I missed a direct, Smash was announced. So fully expecting a new Donkey Kong or Metroid Prime tonight. <laughs> yeah, just it'll be just your luck for that to happen. I wanted to bring up Scott as well because we, we did a couple of editorial pieces this morning on Nintendo Direct and he's got a theory, Aaron, that I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on. And sorry, Tom, uh, that this kind of isn't kind of your bag but just interested to hear your thoughts as well uh on different things um scott says there's one shot in the trailer uh in the most recent trailer uh for uh, tears of the kingdom where um there's a figure next to a fallen zelda around this figure are seven symbols resembling japanese magatama beads uh, past Zelda games have featured groups of seven you have to rescue from dungeons in order to re- enter the final areas, such as the Seven Sages in Ocarina of Time and paintings in The Legend of Zelda and Link Between Worlds. Um, could this mean that dungeons are making a return? Is is that something that you buy into at all, Aaron? Absolutely.
0: Dungeon Dungeons all but <laughs> confirmed, right? And we're going to hear about it later on tonight. Um, yeah, like you said, the Seven Sages in Ocarina of Time. There's something something about that number, obviously you've got the Triforce itself and that's usually related to like, you know, the the last major climax of most Zelda games. But in terms terms of like Tears of the Kingdom, Seven Dungeons seems to be about the right pacing for the average length Mm. of these games. Mm. I know Tears of the Kingdom is open world, whereas, you know, before Breath of the Wild, a lot were quite rigid in that way. Just giving people an opportunity to sort of approach them in any order similar to a way that they they were able to in a link between worlds i think that'd be mm. a cool way to kind of pay respect to the legacy of the series and if scott I, I you know i'll take my hat off to scott if that doesn't happen i'll buy a hat and i'll eat it because that sounds as legitimate <laughs> a theory as i've ever heard uh, about tears of the kingdom yeah, great,
2: great, really great spot there, Scott. Um, in that trailer, really dissected that for us. I so really appreciate that. Um, Tom, something that I wanted to come to you around was that there's speculation around the price of this game, which I think might be interest to you. Um, obviously as a console uh, player, yourself, PlayStation, you're used to paying. You know, 70, 80 quid for new releases, um, which is kind of the price of the next gen or current gen, as it's now known on on PlayStation Five. Um, Breath of the Wild on the Switch, uh, when that launched, it was fifty nine ninety nine, because uh, obviously the Nintendo Switch is a is an older piece of hardware. Where that launched, now we're coming up to the Tears of the Kingdom, it's even older uh and the the you know the spec of the machine has not changed but the speculation is that uh, the the new zelda game could be 70 pounds as well um how how do you feel about that potentially you having to pay the same price for a you know current gen game um on the switch and and the ps5 does does that does that seem right to you
1: I mean, it seems like a reflection of the of the times, right? it's uh, everything's gone up across the board, um, so it just seems quite natural to do that. But I think as long as the the content of the game justifies that that price tag, I think it's totally justifiable. and I think if they were to charge like seventy, eighty dollars or whatever it is, fans of the game are, are going to buy it regardless, aren't they? So I think they can get away with it because it's such a huge franchise for them. They know everyone's so excited about it um but i think at the end of the day is if as long as the, there's enough in the game for you to play that justifies that that 70 dollar price tag um then i think it's absolutely fine hopefully that with the added dungeons that puts on the uh the extra ten dollars or whatever it was to make it uh to make it seem reasonable
2: Yeah, Scott as well in the comments, uh, like he said in the piece, he would much rather pay £70 for a sequel to one of the best games ever made than something mid like Horizon or NBA 2K. Uh, That's quite a
0: shade on Horizon and NBA. Come on. (laughs) Scott's absolutely right there. I'll stand by him on that.
2: Carry on, guys. I'm just
1: in the mid. Carry on. (laughs) People really didn't like Forbidden West, did they?
0: i think well that's an entirely different conversation but forbidden west was like more of the same like to me uh compared to zero dawn whereas i think you know if nintendo are going to try and get away with hiking the prices a little bit you know it is a good uh point to compare games to compare like depending on how much is changing Tears of the kingdom because similar to horizon there is that speculation that is it going to take place in hyrule the same hyrule or a different hyrule because part of the fun of the first game was that everything was new and that you could find everything and discover all these secrets. Whereas, it's going to be really hard for Nintendo to pull off the same trick twice, especially without these dungeons. But in terms of like the, the the price thing, I think Scott's right in that you know, if any if there's a game to test this out with or to try and get away with it with, it's going to be Tears of the Kingdom. But I'll be very I'll be very interested to see how you know the other platform holders or the other major publishers like Ubisoft are are looking at these games and stuff because AAA game development in general is getting more expensive all the time. The games are taking longer to develop. They're taking longer to release. Um, But at at the same time, times are tight. You know, a lot of people have a lot of avenues in which to spend their cash these days. So I think it's like a balance. Um, But yeah, I I, I doubt that Nintendo would feel confident charging a higher price than before unless they were absolutely sure they had a a world-class product.
2: Absolutely. people are gonna pay seventy quid if it if it does turn out to be the case, I think they're still gonna sell the game by the bookie load because of because it's a sequel to one of the best games ever made. I still I still think Ocarina of Time was better than Breath of the World, um, having having completed them both. Uh but that's uh that's another conversation Where, to
0: Where's the Ocarina of Time remake in Unreal, like that we keep seeing? Like fans are always like yeah. concepting this stuff and you know that people would eat it up by it immediately. Absolutely
2: absolutely um may- maybe they'll do a port tonight you never know that would be well, that will be incredible
0: so i think ocarina of time is available to nintendo switch online uh players with the expansion pass uh, yeah. through the nintendo 64 stuff but i agree like i think the 3ds ports just look prettier and they control a lot better if there was a way to get that on the switch as a double pack i mean Ooh. there's another zelda double pack people keep on speculating we'll get uh wind waker and twilight princess Could we see that tonight? I'd explode if we did. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we'll be
2: we'll be we'll be covering the event together, so maybe you will explode. Um, I'll just have to scrape you up off the off the walls. Uh, if
0: yeah, that, <laughs> it does happen. You better hope uh, they keep that announcement last, because otherwise, what's getting done? You know, <laughs> after that point, just shaking as you as you're
2: writing with the excitement. Uh, Scott as one of the comments uh, said, worth noting Nintendo have been variable with their prices. Zelda and Smash were sixty pound, most are fifty pound. I think Mar- WarioWare was thirty pound. Oh, that's interesting so they do vary a bit. Um, Scott also says Wind Waker is better than Ocarina of Time. Sorry folks. How do you how do you feel about that Nathan? Have you played Wind
0: Waker or are you?
2: I I I haven't played it, so I can't really, you know, give give a firm opinion on it. Um but I've got such a connection to Ocarina of Time in terms of like the time in my life and the you know, that kind of emotional connection of it being the first game that I truly loved and stuff. Um can't see I can't see Wind Waker being better. But that's just my personal <laughs> opinion. Maybe I'll, I'll have to play Wind Waker first. I'll have to hold my hands up and say I'm not gonna give a, a an actual answer to that. But appreciate appreciate your opinion in there, Scott, uh as well. Uh some of the some of the other things that uh, we were talking about potentially seeing this evening. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, uh Bayonetta Origins, Teresa and the Lost Demon, uh Advance Wars One and Two, which we already talked about, uh, Pikmin Four uh, third party titles and then maybe a couple of surprises um what do you think do you think potentially i think the most annoying outcome for me let's talk about the most annoying outcome would be if they talk through all these games that are really really cool and then at the end they go oh yeah tears of the kingdom will have, have its own nintendo direct in a few weeks that for me would be like oh god like why don't you tell us that before rather than invest in that 40 minutes uh, how
0: how how likely do you think that is aaron um i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility but if i nintendo particularly in the direct format they've been pretty good about being straight with with players like Mm. you know you'll get like the developers behind the games like enuma or whatever or sakurai they'll address you directly to let you know what's going on and i I promise you now if there's going to be no legend of zelda news they'll tell you in pretty much the first or second sentence just to set expectations correctly but i think another thing to note about this nintendo direct is that uh they've said that this will focus specifically on the first half of 2023 and zelda just about squeezes into that right because it's coming out in may so i think if there's any, if there's ever a time to talk about tears of the kingdom and let people know you know what to look forward to it's this direct now but Having said that, if they want to dedicate like an exclusive direct later down the line, maybe a month before release, in addition to what we're about to see, I think that'd be a great way to sort of like stoke the hype of fans that have been waiting uh, six years already.
2: Yeah. Have you got your Nintendo Direct bingo card ready for for all this stuff that potentially might be, might be announced? Because I've never seen that on social media, people getting their bingo cards ready.
0: Yeah, that's like always a popular meme. Like, like I said, with the the Metroid Prime remake, the Metroid Prime trilogy, Shallow Drop, the Zelda Twin Pack. I'm I'm still waiting for Super Mario Galaxy two to release on Switch. They did that triple pack a couple of years ago, and they left that game off. So um, if they drop that as as to purchasers, you know that that would be on my bingo card. Tick. Chris Pratt is going
1: to walk on stage and announce that as a huge, huge curveball. <laughs>
0: Wouldn't it be good if we had, like, a full line of dialogue about what, of, of what Chris Pratt actually sounded like in that movie? Because I'm fed up of analysing, like, milliseconds of footage. Let's go. All right, it wasn't that full pitch there, so we still haven't heard the voice. Uh, they're hiding something. I prefer
2: Pedro Pascal's Mario, to be honest, over Chris Me Pratt. Me too, I, I want to see what. that movie. Uh, if, if anyone hasn't seen the Saturday Night Live sketch, it's truly incredible. Um, yeah, reloading...
0: Shotgun with red with red shells. That's yeah, like the highlight
2: just, for me. I I I was just so impressed at the production value of that. When they were racing, the banana and the oh every everything was just so it was so good. It was so good. And I honestly, I mean, I get the Chris Pratt like backlash because it didn't sound very good in the first trailer. I think they tried to put a little bit more in the second trailer, but yeah, I would like to see some more some more dialogue really. Um it's the age old argument, isn't it? Do you want to bring in new fans? Uh, or do you want to kind of please older fans who know Mario as, as the Italian plumber, um, but that's what he is? So, I mean, what do you think, Tom? What do, would that, Should they have had an Italian, someone with an Italian accent, or at least an Italian person voicing that character?
1: I don't know. It's tricky, isn't it? Because they, they want to sell tickets to the film, so they've got to mm. put, like, a really A-list actor on the posters and stuff like that. And, you know, Chris Pratt is obviously a huge name in the industry right now, so... People are going to see that and maybe be more inclined to watch it if they're not, you know, a Mario fan or a gamer or stuff like that. And maybe yeah. if you were to put a more, you know, faithful actor to the character uh, mm. in its place, it, it might not draw as as many people like in the mainstream audience pool. But um, I think gamers across the board probably would would have liked to see someone a bit more faithful uh, to the character. It seems.
2: Yeah, and look, at least it's not James Corden. That is true. Uh... That's that is true. That's, that's one th- we that's all one dodged.
0: Thing. We all dodged a bullet bill that day. I think we can agree. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I think
2: on my bingo card, I just want to kind of add in here that my, on my bingo card is a delay tears of the kingdom i think that could be because it's only a few months away isn't it like you said may the release date and it does seem like the the roundabout time that if you were gonna delay something this is kind of the last chance that you're gonna get to delay before there's kind of some immediate backlash how how likely do you think that we've seen that with other games starfield the day before obviously more controversy around that but um Yeah. yeah i don't know what do you think
0: well, it's like May is so close to the E3 period. I don't know what E3 is going to look like this year, mm. like whether or not it's going to exist or if it's just going to be web three. Well, the, and the major,
2: the major publishers aren't going to be there, are they? Like if you look at Nintendo, Sony and Xbox, they're not going to be on there.
0: Exactly. And I think like that might be a small indication of how confident they are on the Tears of the Kingdom release date, mm. because the fact that they haven't delayed that until after E3. It's like they've released their biggest game for Switch ever. Then what are they going to show a month later to exhibit? Mm-hmm. So I don't think they've got an ex- incentive, really. Um, yeah. I don't know. Unless, unless Nintendo is really scared of Redfall, um, it won't be delayed out of May. <laughs> <laughs> well, no shade uh, Scott, against Redfall.
2: Yeah. Um, you, it's too late. It's too late. Uh, what is the <laughs> uh, Scott says they doubled down on a report yesterday that it's May the 12th. So I'd be shocked. Well, there you go. Uh, so you heard it here first, guys, uh, Nintendo Direct later on. Uh, I would just like to see some mechanics and stuff because there's been like talk about some people like the fact that your weapon's degraded and broken in, in Breath of the Wild. Some people didn't. Um, it'd be interesting if they, if they carry that on. How did you feel as a mechanic that worked in Breath of the Wild? Do you feel like that was a good addition to the game?
0: Um, Adam, yeah. I'm sorry, that's probably... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it, it, I was one of those people where I hated it at first, especially coming off of the back of Horizon, uh, which combat was so different. They released within a week of each other, but it's it's um I thought the way they handled the Master Sword was the perfect way, really. That yeah. it sort of you, you know you can use it up enough, and then you have to wait for it to to recharge because you're still being respectful to like what an iconic weapon that is. Um, I mean, in terms, if we we're talking about the weapons, I'm pretty sure like did they bring the slingshot? back in tears Mm. of the kingdom did he bring the hookshot back if dungeons are going to appear i think you know the boomerang elements like that would make sense but then that brings in another problem of do you make those items slash weapons degrade but on the whole even though i i can see people's frustration i thought the degradation system for the weapons it encouraged you to experiment a little bit more and it also fed into obviously the the systemic nature of that world with you know metal weapons on your back then a lightning would you know, cast down on you. So it made you think about it. You are a bit more involved in that world because of the degradation.
2: Yeah. Uh, Scott says, it was a mechanic that perfectly fit the game's improvisational tone, in my opinion, and I'll fight everyone on it. Same goes for the rain. Uh... I thought he
0: said he was (laughs) going to fight everyone in the rain then for a second. (laughs) Very dramatic.
2: Yeah, very dramatic. I love that, Scott. Thank you so much for for being in the stream and chatting. Uh, Talking of fights... Should we we going to our next topic, um, which is the Markvig- Microsoft... I call it Microvision. Microvision. That's, that's their that's them merged together. Um, the Microsoft Activision deal could harm UK gamers. Uh, this is the news that a uh, investigation from the CMA, which is the Competition and Markets Authority, which is the UK regulator, um, have provisionally concluded that Microsoft proposed acquisition of Activision could result in higher prices fewer choices or less innovation for UK gamers. Some of the conclusions uh, include an in-depth, in- independent investigation provisionally finds deal raises concerns about cloud and console gaming. The merger could make Microsoft even stronger in cloud gaming, stifling competition in this growing market, and harming UK gamers who cannot afford expensive consoles. Deal could also harm UK gamers by weakening the important rivalry between Xbox and PlayStation gaming consoles. Um, so they're not too keen. Basically, on the acquisition, and they go on to uh, to say uh, to essentially kind of offer some co- kind of provision almost or suggestion that Call of Duty might not be involved in the deal, and that might be a way that they get around this because obviously Call of Duty is a AAA franchise. I think that's something that they're they're really worried about for uh, for the competition and uh, the, making sure that games have have choice and things. Um, what do you think about this ruling do you do you agree that this this is this harms uk gamers or do you think that by having call of duty under xbox's control rather than being over you know across both platforms um yeah do do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing
1: i think harming uk gamers is a bit of a exaggeration I, i i don't think it's that that dramatic but i understand where they're coming from because Call of Duty is such a massive software seller on the PlayStation side of things. You check the MPD numbers each month, and like whatever Call of Duty title it is that year, that's always in the top spot or, or second place. So the thought of of that becoming an Xbox exclusive is obviously going to send ripples throughout the market and potentially, you know, degrade PlayStation as a as a as a system, uh, a video game console system that people go to 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 buy. Um, even though Microsoft have, have said that they're going to like honor a ten year deal at least of, of Call of Duty coming to PlayStation, you know they could turn around after year one and say, you know, Call of Duty is now going to be on Game Pass, you know, at launch, and so when you know somebody comes to decide what console they're going to buy, you know, are they going to buy an Xbox where they're going to get Call of Duty for free if they pay for Game Pass every month, or they're going to buy a PlayStation and still have to pay, spend you know, £70 or whatever it is on this new uh, on the new Call of Duty game as well. So, yeah, it's, I, I understand the concerns, and but I, I can't see them backing down Microsoft on, on this at all. Um, whether, as you say, Call of Duty becomes separate to, to the deal, I don't know, but I think it still presents some issues as well because you've, you've, you've still got some pretty huge titles, uh, Activision titles as well, um, in that kind of lineup. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an interesting one.
2: Yeah, to, Just on that cloud gaming uh, topic there, uh, that's one that's one aspect that the CMA are really concerned about as well. Um, just to quote them, they argue that Microsoft already accounts for an estimated 60-70% of global cloud gaming services, obviously with Game Pass. It then buying one of the most important game publishers would substantially reduce the competition that Microsoft would otherwise face in the cloud gaming market in the UK, which is exactly what you said. If they Call of Duty on Game Pass, all of a sudden they've got this huge amazing offering that that Sony d- doesn't have, I suppose uh, which would which would make it um, very appealing to gamers. Um, Aaron, as a, as a PlayStation fan how do you feel about this potentially?
0: Um, I'm just not a fan of consolidation in general. Consolidation, uh, it might not, maybe harms is a bit of a, you know, too harsh a term to put it, but it definitely... Um, feeds into what I believe to be Xbox's wider plan, which is a race to the bottom in terms of the value of games. Um, they they like to sugarcoat it as oh we'll make it free on Game Pass. It, games are more accessible than they've ever been, and while Game Pass remains a great deal, I'm I, I'm I'm firmly in the camp of someone who believes that the price of Game Pass will see go up this year, potentially just before the release of Starfield, so they you know they can kind of like stealth uh, that price hike. Cloud um, gaming—the cloud gaming, gaming angle—is an interesting one because I, I understand what the CMA is saying. Because pl- pl- cloud gaming isn't really uh, an area that PlayStation is interested in. Um, they've tried some things here and there. That, their, PlayStation have got their VR corner. Microsoft have got their uh, cloud uh, corner. But th- this is exactly what you want from from two platform holder titans like PlayStation, Xbox. You want them to try different things because increasingly in this generation. Um, and we had it when the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X uh, released. It was, you know, under the hood, these are very similar machines. So I think it's important that these uh, consoles are more differentiated than ever. Um, and it's, I think, the cloud gaming angle, Microsoft have been doing a really good job uh, with that so far. But then with a game like Call of Duty, is that something you necessarily want to play over the cloud competitively? I'm a bit of an outlier in that I'm someone who who pays the full whack for Call of Duty every year just to play the the campaign. And then maybe I'll lend it to a friend or then maybe I'll, you know, find another use for it some, somewhere. But um, uh, long story short, I think consolidation it not needed. Um, and that I just wish that Xbox could release games, incubate games and release them by itself rather than having to, like, keep on buying people, throwing its money around and then laying off, you know, thousands of members of staff, money that it could otherwise spend developing its own games grassroots. I mean, at Hi-Fi Rush, we saw that release at the, you know, a couple of weeks ago and the reception to that was great. It was on Game Pass. It got people talking. Um, I don't think that in this day and age, uh, you know, your bog standard annual Call of Duty release is going to be able to capture the conversation uh, that way. Uh, it's really only the Modern Warfare games that people tend to get excited about these days. Vanguard and the Black Ops series, uh, people tend to shy away from, even though I, I, I personally like the Black Ops games. So yeah, um, Consolidation is not for me. I'd much rather Xbox make its own games than buy the rights for other games and then cut off PlayStation players.
2: It's really interesting. You talk about consolidation, obviously the the more consolidation the less choice there is for gamers, um which is which is worse because that reduces competition and therefore prices could go up with with no one to kind of look at look at what's happening there. Uh, but Scott makes a good point um, in the comments. He said, I'm definitely against monopolization, but at the same time, Activision needs a massive culture shakeup. So maybe this is the best bet. Uh, just come to you, Tom. Um, Obviously there's a, there's a huge problem at Activision at the moment in terms of culture. And there's been so many allegations and litigations and, and, and action taken uh, against certain people within Activision in terms of the culture and abuse that people have suffered within that organization. Um, and we've seen as well um, the less important side of that is that the games are suffering as well, mainly Call of Duty from just poor leadership. It looks like um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because monopolisation is bad, but also you do feel that like Activision also needs someone fresh to go in there and take control of it and put them back on the right track. So it's it's a difficult, wasn't it, uh, Tom?
1: Yeah, it is. I just I don't know if that's going to be enough. I mean, Microsoft coming in could potentially you know, change the way they operate and hopefully improve that company for, for the better as like a place to work and maybe, you know, their their operational workflows and, and things like that. But I just don't know if it would make a, a, a huge substantial difference. Um, I mean, the, the issue for me also is that the conversation has always been around Xbox lacking, you know, any kind of first party titles. And so you see them announce this kind of acquisition and your immediate thought is, okay, you know, instead of them creating their their own kind of original IP, they're just trying to like vacuum in all of these like huge franchises and IPs already to eventually make them Xbox exclusive. But then on the other hand, they, their messaging is, oh, we want games to be accessible for, for everybody. So you kind of have this like this mixed messaging. And I think people are really starting to to pick up on that because on the one hand, you know, they want to make their games accessible to everybody. But then on the same side, they spend all this money to, to try and acquire Activision. And, you know, you know, at the end of the day, when you spend this amount of money on, on a kind of acquisition like this, that you're going to need to see some sort of return. So the only way you're going to potentially do that is by making these huge tentpole games, you know, exclusive to your system, which then creates a whole host of, of issues and problems. So, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of murky water for them at the minute, I think.
0: Starfield yeah. J- made re- Sorry, Nathan. Starfield yeah. was made really accessible when Xbox made it exclusive to Xbox. That's all I Exactly. Say.
1: Yeah.
0: That's the thing with Phil Spencer. Like he, he looks like a genuine guy and he clearly plays games, he knows his stuff. But half the time I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him because we've already been through this with the Bethesda stuff. He said, you know, we're gonna bring these teams on. Starfield, when it was originally announced before the acquisition, the PlayStation logo was there. Redfall would have been in production before the Xbox acquisition. That's why I was a bit when I found out on a recent podcast I was listening to that Hi-Fi Rush was in production in as early as 2017 before the Xbox uh, acquisition. That's why I was kind of like, "Oh, that makes sense then." That's why a game got released and um, came out full stop in a good you know state. Um, but yeah, not to throw too much shade on Xbox, it's just release some games. Why are you focusing your time, energy, and effort? trying to get this acquisition through when you could spend half that money creating 10 10 hour games that you could make exclusive and incubate and build the foundation uh, for the your next 10 years future of xbox meanwhile you're letting halo infinite die on the vine they had such good reception when that released at the beginning of the series x life cycle and the last thing i'd want is for the same thing to happen to call of duty i don't even play call of duty multiplayer that much warzone 2 but you know it's yeah it's weird it's a tricky spot to be in
2: yeah i remember you talking um i was ta- talking yesterday and you, you had a you, you just talking about someone telling saying how good a, a deal an xbox series s is um do you want to continue i, I want you to i want you to talk okay. about it because it's so it was so let good all the the hate, of it. Let,
0: let all the hate come my way um sony aaron potter sony pony no um, <laughs> <laughs> basically during the Black Friday sales last year, Xbox had a really great deal on the Series S, and I think it it went, dropped from the RRP, which was two four nine, to about one eight nine, which is a great deal for a console, but not so great when it's you know a digital only console and you have to pay full price for a lot of games. But and I got into this spat with someone. I was you know someone was like. You know, where are all the Xbox first party games is what I was saying, similar to what we're saying here today. And then the person follows up with me. Yeah, but you can get a Series S for one eight nine. And I'm like, that's great. But what are you playing on it? Games released five years ago that I've already played a slow drip of first party exclusives that are double A at best. And when I buy a 450 pound console that is 4K ready, you know, exclusives still matter. Microsoft clearly knows that. Hence why it's trying to vacuum up a load and take it away from the PlayStation and Nintendo audience trying to you know give the impression that it's improving accessibility a cheap console and an accessible console is great but what is there to play on it the games are ultimately what matter that's what we all love that's what we primarily engage with the console is a conduit in which to play games and xbox don't have very many currently yeah and there's even less now that um they've also
2: took some xbox 360 games um off off Game Pass as well. Um so there's even even less to play there as well, which is which is interesting. Um I just want to add add Microsoft's kind of um opinion into this because we have got a statement from Microsoft's corporate vice president and deputy general counsel, Rima Alayli, uh who said we are committed to offering effective and easily easily enforceable solutions that address the CMA's concerns our commitment to grant long-term 100 equal access to quality to Sony Nintendo Steam and other and others preserves the deals benefits to gamers and developers and increases competition on the market she also said when we say equal we mean equal 10 years of parity on content on pricing on features on quality on playability, um, so that's Microsoft's uh, statement to uh, the CMA's uh, provisional result uh, report um, on that you know, the uh, the Activision Blizzard acquisition by Microsoft could harm UK gamers. Um, the CMA will issue its final report on April the 26th, uh, but uh, they've given uh, uh, Microsoft until February the 22nd to address some of the concerns within the provisional findings, uh, and then we'll see what happens with that. Uh, just an open question to, to, to everyone, um, Aaron and Tom. Um, do Microsoft go through with this acquisition if Call of Duty is off the table?
1: That's a good question. Um, I don't think they do. Call of Duty is
0: the big boy in the acquisition. That's what they want. I know some people have speculated that it might be the king part of the equation with Candy Crush and everything like that. That tends to make a lot of money. So there's potentially still reason there. But Xbox are in a difficult position because I think they get fined like something crazy like a billion or maybe even a couple of billion if they pull out now. So they're kind of at a lose-lose if they, if they especially let Call of Duty go. Um, it's a weird position to be in, yeah.
2: Mm. $68.7 billion for Candy Crush. It doesn't seem like a good deal to me. Not the no. biggest tech acquisition
0: in history, no. Especially no. when
1: you're trying to market your console as well. If you're, if you're trying to establish yourself as the go-to console in this market and you're going to put Candy Crush on your boxes when they're on store shelves it's like it doesn't give across the the best message does it especially when you associate that game with like with mobiles and stuff like that and then people see mobile gaming as a you know inferior way of playing games that's a whole different conversation and stuff like that but yeah it's it's a tough one
2: yeah i mean if call of duty is off the table and they get fined a billion seems like a good deal is doesn't it to, i mean at that point to pay a billion to get out of it it's like it's almost like the Elon Musk Twitter situation where he was going to buy it and then he realized it wasn't what, worth what he offered but then he had to because of all the all the fines and and everything that he could have accrued um it might get a bit messy isn't it towards the end if 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 this carries on with because this is just the uk the regulators in the us are also voicing concerns over it so you've got all these different parties getting involved and who knows where we might end up in a couple of months time um and if call of Duty's off the table then it's not it doesn't look like a good deal on paper
0: would you not pay 68 billion for crash bandicoot is he not worth that to you guys (laughs) <laughs> I think is that, that uh, silence says it
2: all, yeah. That a yeah rhetorical yeah. a rhetorical <laughs> question. I'm sure yeah. he's worth
0: that to someone out there, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: I think when you look at Call of Duty, I mean it's hard to record. I mean sixty eight billion dollars is such a huge I mean sixty nine, sorry, sixty nine billion to round it up. Um when you when you round up sixty eight point seven billion to sixty nine million, that's still uh 300 million pounds of rounding up so that's still a lot of money to round up but i'm going to round it up anyway um 69 billion if you think of call of duty i think we were i mean we were talking about this we were playing monopoly aaron on monday something that you that you want is only it's only worth what you think it's worth what it's worth to you And if you look at Call of Duty as a franchise, obviously a live service game, if you look at how long that franchise, how profitable that franchise has been for years, and especially now they're going into the live service sort of things with with Warzone, Warzone 2, and how much money they make every quarter, um, as a long-term investment, you could argue that it's worth it um, for for Microsoft to get into that. But without it?
0: Yeah, I don't know. what were you saying yesterday, Nathan, that like, um, is it GTA 5? How much yeah. money is that generated for Rockstar in the 10 years it's been released? Yeah, so
2: GTA 5 is the most profitable entertainment product that has ever been created. Um, it's generated £6 billion in revenue in 10 years that that's that was as as a few as of a few years ago yeah. as well the report that i was referencing is actually a few years old now um but just to put that into context the highest grossing film of all time is either avatar or avengers endgame depending on where you look uh and that was roughly three billion in 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 revenue so it's almost double uh the yeah. highest grossing film ever ever made i mean you think about that as an as an
0: entertainment product gta 5 um But isn't that crazy that Activision, well, Microsoft, I should say, are willing to pay 10 times what the biggest entertainment product ever has generated in 10 years for Mm. Activision. And now it's Mm. saying that it will give, you know, this is old hat by this point, that it will give, you know, PlayStation 10 years of content parity. But just how long a game is Phil Spencer playing? Will Xboxes even exist by the time they recoup that 69 (laughs) billion? I have no idea. And Probably you not. can't
1: present those numbers and tell me that that's not to buy Call of Duty. That mm-hmm. those numbers are to pay for for that IP in yeah. that franchise. That's that's their main goal, as we've said. Yeah,
2: and I, th- I think it was highly publicized as well at the time that this was just a cash deal. It wasn't financed. It was just the cash that Microsoft had kicking around, which is, uh, I mean, who has that in their back pocket? You know, to <laughs> it must have burning a, ho- a huge hole in uh, in Microsoft's back pocket um but what why did why don't
0: they just buy take two i don't know why don't they buy the fifa franchise Why do not they buy ea and then that'll make a call of duty they could probably buy everyone
2: but just buy the money they've got yeah that's the scare and then but obviously the regulators will get involved there's competition authorities that like the cma in the uk that prevent this stuff from happening because of the consolidation so Imagine if we didn't have these regulators in the UK, what Microsoft could do to all these companies. Um, and then everything you'd be playing would be Microsoft, which yeah. is which is scary thought. So um, in one way, I'm glad that we've got these regulators. Uh, Scott, Scott is really chipping in on the comments. I really appreciate uh, your input, Scott. Um, he said, I'm playing 360 games on it. Yeah, that's what he said on his <laughs> Xbox. Uh, and PS2 before I got Steam Deck as my emulation machine. Um He said, uh, Tony Hawk and guitar hero make it worth it. $69 yeah.
0: yeah. Golden Uh, age.
2: Yeah, 10 years for Sony to bring back Hayes. Uh, That's an old old reference. Um, That is an old reference.
0: Yeah, I mean, Sony bought Bungie. I can't remember Mm. how much, but that was a lot of money as well. But that has also been one of my criticisms of PlayStation as well, and probably why they don't want to give up Call of Duty. A, because they make so much money on the Call of Duty sales on their platform. But there's no first person shooter exclusive anymore on PlayStation. There's no resistance. Yeah. There's no kill zone. There's no haze, Scott. Um, <laughs> you know, and ten years is more than enough time with Bungie in your back pocket to develop a new IP. And I'd be shocked if that is not if they're not already working on that. But yeah. even if they are, I know it's not gonna be what I want, which is a single player, six to eight hour game uh campaign. It's probably yeah. something live servicey. Games of yeah.
2: service with a battle pass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the the Bungie deal was announced shortly after the um, Microsoft um, Activision um, acquisition. A couple of months after, I think. Yeah. yeah, that felt like a bit of a shade to me, um, because of I I associate Bungie with Halo. So when mm. I saw Sony buying Bungie, I was like, "Oh, that seems like a little bit of a of a shade." Did you did you see it as that at the time, or do you think that's just completely independent from from what Microsoft are doing?
0: So I think the way they tried to spin it was that it had been in the works for a couple months anyway, because deals this uh, large yeah. take a while to go through. I think yeah. that deal that deal has already passed and cleared regulators, hasn't it? Though it's mm-hmm. nowhere close to the trouble that Microsoft are having with Activision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they had to keep it separate though as well. Bungie, like okay. they are first party, but they're they run independently. So.
1: Weird. I do see what you mean, Nathan. Though It's kind of like we've we've got the developer that made you and made your systems. Kind yeah, of, <laughs> yeah. You know, Halo is what exploded Xbox and stuff like that. So yeah, it's kind of funny actually.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting that Halo Infinite is has been so poorly received, and uh, yeah, and they go and buy Bungie. Just just really interesting, interesting turn of events uh, of what's happened. But in in another interesting turn of events. Uh, Let's go into our our next topic, uh, which is, uh, let's talk about Last of of Us, episode four on HBO. We'll talk about that after. I just want to come to, uh, in the title, I've talked about the Last of Us being delayed. Um, The Last of Us part one PC game has been delayed. Um, Naughty Dog has announced that the PC version of the Last of Us part one will be delayed by a few weeks from its original March, the third release date to March 28th. And so the one, you know, want to make sure they've got the best game possible. Um, I have no issue with this whatsoever. I think if you if you've got a TV show that's doing so well, and you've got people that are going to want to buy this game to play as these characters, you need that to be perfect to retain those people and to make it as polished as possible. Uh, I have no no issues with this at all, and I wish that I mean delays are delays, but if it's going to help the game, it's going to make the game better. I've got no issue with it. Uh, Aaron, Tom, are you um, are you bothered that it's going to be three three weeks later than than planned? no not at
1: all I, I totally agree with you nathan yeah. like a, a delay is is nothing but a good thing you know if it means the final product is going to be better than you know delay it as as long as you as you need to totally but it's kind of interesting that uh, you know do you think that they because originally the game was supposed to come out when the show was still running right but now obviously it's going to come out after the show's finished do you think they've delayed it to kind of continue the hype around the last of us once the show is finished so you you know, the people that haven't played the first game, once the show's finished, they think, oh, now I can go and play the game and experience that. Whereas if you release it during the show, you know, everyone's attention is on the TV show itself, that maybe mm. that will kind of hurt the sales of the of the PC port, I don't know.
2: Well, it's interesting, we'll get onto that, I'll ask Aaron his opinion for that as well, but uh, we're going to a topic a bit later on, which is the PS Plus collection has been axed as well, um, which is really interesting, um, Aaron, Um uh, PS Plus members have until May the ninth to add games to their library before the PS Plus, PS Plus collection is scrapped for good. One of the games on there is The Last of Us Remastered. Why would they do that?
0: Why would they get rid of the PlayStation Plus collection?
2: No, what? Just just, just The Last of Us in as a, as a game. Why wouldn't they just leave leave that leave that open for everyone? I suppose.
0: Yeah, it's it's true, isn't it? I think I think Sony are quick to realise that you know we're a couple years on from the P- ps5 launch and as a way to get playstation 5 uh owners through the door here's a you yeah. know a great catalog of 20 games i think the value of that is is kind of dissipated and if you were a hardcore you mm. gamer who wanted you know the perfect starter pack as it were um it's sort of like you know lost its value especially since they rebooted the playstation plus subscription service to mm. the new three-tier system there's probably games in that oh there's most definitely games in that selection including the last of us remastered that they would happily offer as part of one of the tiers as you know as yeah. petty as that sort of sounds um yeah crash bandicoot insane trilogy in their uh a diet many people well no those are good games but you know cer- certain games like that are licensed we saw we already saw persona 5 go a couple months ago yeah um because you know Sony don't own that but i agree nathan the last of us remastered is a weird one that and god of war because they're first party yeah. games they're yeah. well received and what a great bunch of games to get started with as soon as you buy a playstation 5
2: absolutely uh lewis agrees with you tom in the comments uh hi lewis uh uh busy as ever in the background lewis uh our resident fifa guy obviously he's been on the on the podcast before hi lewis thanks for tuning in um he agree agree with tom releasing it a bit after the show has ended will keep the hype running for longer um yeah absolutely and i i, I think this show is just going to the point of the show is to just you know breathe new life into this franchise and show what video games are all about. And uh, I think by delaying it a few weeks might be the the clever, the clever thing to do to keep 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 the keep the hype hype going, especially with you know the fact that there'll be a part two or a series two potentially. That that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, what, what's your opinion, Aaron? Do you, do, you, do you think that's why they're doing it?
0: I think you're probably right. It's all part of the marketing cycle of things. This game's been done, you know, it all released last year on the PlayStation 5 version. And I know um, one of the developers, PlayStation, really recently acquired were to specialize in PC ports. So they're probably, you know, adamant about wanting to get it right. But I honestly think it could be something as simple as those PC players, they're a wild bunch. And I know that looking from afar. <laughs> and that if you see Joel and Ellie sort of running away from a giant thomas the tank engine as the show's airing you know once the modders get their hands on it, it might detract a little bit from the emotion <laughs> that everyone else is feeling in the tv show um yeah so i think that could have something to do with it that's a good
2: point you've got two pc players uh on the uh on the podcast so uh i think we agree with that tom don't we yeah, them,
1: totally. The they are a
2: get... wild bunch, <laughs> to say the uh, least. We've seen some we've seen some crazy mods, haven't we, the last, last couple of months and years as well. So, yeah, that's a good point, Aaron, um, as well. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about Last of Us, Episode 4. I will just say I haven't seen it, so um, we'll do a, a spoiler-free uh, review of the episode. Or, a, you know, push the boat out as much as you want, uh, because obviously I, I know how... I know how the game goes, I suppose, the story of the game goes, so I kind of know what's going on. But obviously, Episode 3 deviated away from the game a little bit, so that that makes me nervous for what, what could it be in Episode 4. But, uh, yeah, guys, take it away. You know, talk about Episode 4. What did you think,
0: Last of Us, Episode 4? After you, Aaron. You sure? Okay. <laughs> um, Go for it. I, I really liked it. I, I like the show in general. I think Episode 4 is... Kind of what we've all been building towards in terms of that iconic, familiar Joel and Ellie relationship um, that play, people that have played the game uh, know and love so well, and you kind of see the the, the hint towards that uh, towards the at the end, at the very end of episode three, where you have that moment Ellie's in the car and she's you know finding everything really exciting. They're wearing their their iconic outfits. Episode four is another episode that that somehow they keep on managing to do it. They sort of pay respect to the moments in the game. While adding in what i've almost been calling sort of like free dlc in the form of context i was listening to the official last of us podcast um uh at lunchtime today and neil druckman made a good point where he was like you know the reason why we've been making so many changes compared to the game is because in a tv show they're afforded the luxury of moving the perspective away from joel and ellie now, in the game you are obviously obviously seeing things through the eyes of joel and episode four without giving too much away it really humanizes what could end up being a really, really good antagonist, I'll say who's completely original from the games uh, from the games yeah and um, yeah, overall I, I really enjoyed it, so tense, but so you've got the antagonist building. you see things from their perspective. are they really a bad person or are they just trying to get by in this tortured world? But most importantly more importantly than that, it's really you get to see the strengthening between Joel and Ellie. As they learn to care for each other and respect each other a bit more, this is the cementing of that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. This was really an episode that that put the spotlight on on those two characters and really developing that that relationship between them between them. It's it was the beginnings of that relationship really starting to to flourish and, and blossom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the performances were fantastic. In particular, Bella Ramsey, I think she was a an absolute standout in this episode. I think she really was able to get her feet into the role uh, and really you know kind of leave her mark on on that character obviously being incredibly faithful to the source material but but doing things differently and kind of adding her take and spin on it as well i would i would say that this was kind of the, the the weakest episode maybe so far just because all of the episodes have been absolutely stellar but that's not a not a negative at all it was still a, a, a fantastic bit of TV but i think when you compare it to the likes of episode three and and especially the opening episode as well. You know, you could probably see this as like a, a, you know, a pretty, pretty, pretty good, pretty solid episode. That you know, in comparison, might seem a little bit, um, a little bit average. But I think that's that's by no by no means a negative. The the writing, as always, was spectacular. I like how it was it was faithful to those particular moments at the game. But as as has been touched on, it was allowed to to breathe and kind of expand upon things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do. Within the format of a video game so again like i have absolute trust in in the people behind this show and i'm excited to see the kind of big temple moments of the game um later on and how they're gonna adapt that in in the show being faithful but also telling it in a different way
2: Mm, that's interesting i've seen i've seen a few people as well um on social media talk about how in the TV show, Joel's warming to Ellie is a bit quicker than it was in the games. Um, in the games, it, it, it did feel like it was forever until Joel felt that warmth um, to, towards Ellie or that kind of relationship warmed a bit. Um, do, you, do you feel like that's, that's a good thing? Do you feel like if they push that for a bit too long, get a bit, a bit too samey for, for a TV show? I suppose the medium is different, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think in, in the games, you have more of those like quieter moments, don't you? just like walking throughout a level and stuff like that, that they can really show that that relationship is kind of slowly developing. Whereas in this TV show, you really need to kind of move things along, don't you? Because you've only got a finite amount of episodes to kind of tell this story. Whereas a game is obviously much longer and you have more scope and, and kind of breathing room to tell this story. So, yeah, I definitely agree that it's it's happening a lot quicker, but I don't think it's it hasn't been earned. If that makes sense, I still think yeah. it's definitely... Moving in a natural kind of pace in line with the kind of story they're telling
0: in in this format. Can Can I jump in and ask Tom, in the vaguest of terms, what do you think is under the cement?
1: Oh, it's what I'm referring to. Yeah, I know what you're (laughs) referring to. It's got to be the big dudes, right? Maybe. It's
0: got. It's got to be a bloater. That's one. It's got to be the bloater. Yeah. Because in the lead up, this isn't too much. In the trailer, a lot of them have ended on the big tease of you know a bloater crawling out from under. The, uh, the the gravel or the building or from from underneath it anyway so again like we were talking about before um, I know you haven't seen it Nathan but this episode more so than any of the previous three feels like the first half to a two episode story arc it might end up being longer but not too much gets resolved I feel like there's a lot of setting up particularly in the name of certain names of certain characters I'll say them because if you know you know but if you if you're watching it it won't mean anything to you Sam and Henry are playing crucial roles within this upcoming arc, but they've not been fully explored yet. And uh, obviously that presents, you know, them being the characters they are, that will help Joel and Ellie uh, bounce off of them and present another different dynamic uh, again.
2: No, I'm just I'm, I'm really excited to see it and uh I have just not had a chance for, for reasons um this week. Obviously we've had a few a few meetings and stuff, haven't we, Aaron? Um in the business the last couple of days and obviously you're new to the business as well. So it's been a busy time uh this week, but I'm sure I'll, I'll get around to it uh, this evening. Some
0: of some of us were getting rinsed in the game of Monopoly as well. Well, uh, that's it. I, that's didn't, wanna, I didn't
2: wanna I didn't want to bring that up, but uh, <laughs> that performance that performance I thought was uh I really stepped up to the plate there when the pressure was on. Never let um,
0: Nathan and be your landlord would be my advice to anybody uh, watching (laughs) just he he drives cruel bargains yeah look
2: i I mean when you're playing monopoly (laughs) you 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 have to exude that persona in order to win um it's true you know if i was to be my real life persona you know in in monopoly then we would never get anywhere um within a game environment the competitiveness comes out and that's when you you know you want it so i'm just trying to you know before you I'm not a Justify landlord in real life. <laughs>
1: Yeah, what it's a cutthroat business! <laughs>
0: can we make if, landlord the new Karen? Like, I'm not a landlord in real life. Oh, he's such well, a landlord, yeah. is Nathan? Like, I was <laughs> just gonna, I was just gonna say, I'm
2: not. Just, just to clarify for everyone watching and listening, I'm not a landlord in real life, and I, I you know, I'm firmly <laughs> against, you know, that sort of thing, and you know, tenants' <laughs> yeah. rights and stuff. I'm, you know, all, You're all, well all that. for that. Well, well yeah. behind that. Like, in in a in a monopoly situation just to clarify you you have to be a you know you ruthless. have to well, well yeah i mean it's yeah. it's the objective is to is to bankrupt the other players as harsh as that sounds and the only way of doing that is is by uh, by playing clever i suppose so
0: i feel like we should clarify we were playing monopoly uh the video game on nintendo switch we weren't just yeah. playing you know this is a video game podcast uh, yeah. surprisingly published by ubisoft and not a bad version of monopoly it was the 3d version as well
2: wasn't it so we had like cutscenes, oh, nice. which i skipped as well um because i couldn't be bothered to watch the little because <laughs> i i picked um i picked like a rollerblade uh like token thing um I forgot the word of it. A token, like a roller skate. Oh, yeah, yeah. But what what is the actual name for what you pick? Just like a s- kind of like a piece pieces on the yeah, bill, a piece, a piece. Yeah. And instead of rolling, my piece jumped, which I didn't really. There's only one
0: skate. You can't roll. Otherwise, it will fall over.
2: No, but it was one skate without a person in, so you could just push it. Surely, <laughs> and it would just yeah, yeah. Um, you're hearing this, Ubisoft. We need, the, yeah.
0: we, need the, we need the DLC patch. Please, Come on, to like, 10,
1: just poor
2: animations.
0: AI <laughs> some right Right up there with Breath of the Wild, Monopoly <laughs> yeah. for Switch. Yeah.
2: And if Jasmine is still watching slash listening, I'm sorry. Um
0: Monopoly because... Streets, shout out.
2: Yeah, because we we were we were very competitive. Me and Jasmine. Aaron went out quite early on, didn't you? You kind of succumbed to the to the bankruptcy quite early on. It was me and Jasmine kind of battling it out towards the end. But yeah, it was, it was it was really fun. I think that's just you know we're doing it on the train, playing on the train, um, and you know with the whole audience there. It was it was a really fun, really fun experience. How did we get onto this? Um, it's a good point, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I
1: have no idea.
2: I don't have any the idea. The Last of Us it. to
0: Monopoly, yeah, I'm trying yeah, to
2: that's what the walkthrough is all about, guys. Because um, <laughs> uh, well, obviously, Owen, you've never been on the walkthrough before, and every week we do touch on the new episode of of The Last of Us um, as as each week passes. What have you thought of the series overall? Because I was very complimentary of the first couple of episodes, keeping it really close to the game because sticking with the source material because it was so strong. Um, And then I voiced a few concerns in episode two about it verging away from the spores, which led to the kiss moment, which I felt wasn't um, as powerful as the game. And then we had Matt, who who actually disagreed with me, and it was really interesting to hear his take on it as someone who's never played the game before. What have you made of the whole series so far um, overall as an adaptation?
0: Well, I think we can't take Matt's any of Matt's opinions on The Last of Us seriously because we know his thoughts on masking tape, uh for and you know how that's handled in the show. Um no, he's um <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. I, I think the first episode's a weird one because it's kind of again, it's split into two again, and I think it was an extended episode. But I really appreciated having the additional context of, you know, the events leading up to the game. Um, you know, sort of that I'm I'm obsessed with the day before sort of scenarios. I always think that in most zombie shows, the most interesting point is the outbreak. And, you know, that that was true for The Walking Dead. I really loved that first season. And then the farther and farther away we get from that sort of like catalyst event, the less interesting it becomes, the more same it is. Whereas um, The Last of Us is avoiding that. Episode three last week absolutely broke me. Um, I'll just say strawberries. And I I, I was reduced to tears, Um, you know, because we knew that, frank was going to be portrayed by um uh, you know an actual person rather than someone primarily talked about off screen and uh, i kept waiting during that episode i was like okay so when are we going to flash forward when are we going to flash forward when are we going to see the events of the game um but i think that so far i'm wary of a lot of adaptations but at the same time you know uh, for me like the games exist and they're untouchable even if they've been adapted you'll always have the original source material which is part of the reason why i don't mind uh, a lot of adaptations that other people think are God awful, like Resident Evil Apocalypse. I really like that movie because I like Resident Evil and you know Nemesis is portrayed quite well in that film. Um, but yeah, I think they've done a, a really good job at, a, at treading the fine line between appealing to those who enjoy the game and total newcomers. Because I've heard it said multiple times by multiple people, my parents are watching this show, they're invested. And you know I'll hold my hands up and say, You know, I'll say to my mum, like, did you enjoy The Last of Us last night? And she'll go, yeah, it was really good. And I'll be like, I played that game 10 years ago. Like, you know, these stories like this exist. And, you know, storytelling in games is capable of so much more. So, um, yeah, big, big, big fan of the show. I know Tom's had his issues with uh, this week's episode, but all of the changes so far have been positive for me.
2: Mm, That's really interesting. And, yeah, if if you haven't seen our Mirror Game in TikTok, um, Matt was incredibly annoyed that electrical tape was used and no sound was made um uh, which is a, oh, a notable point um i think i think it was
0: there was too much sound right like, yeah was that was it awesome. yeah,
2: yeah that was it yeah so the the tape was like a when electrical <laughs> tape doesn't make a sound so he pointed that out that's something that i didn't didn't notice but what i did notice and i don't know if you saw this in episode three as well is that um the shirt that joel picked out when they're after he shower was the same shirt that Frank had on. Did you know, did you notice that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the green sort of like patch one. Right. So yeah. 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 Uh, Tom, did you, did you notice that?
1: I didn't. I saw that on Twitter a few days after the episode yeah. came out. I was like, Oh, that's broke me even more now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs> it's just, I think it's so what makes, what makes shows like this so special I think is that there's those little moments in there that they didn't need to put in there. And it would only it would only be a small amount of people who noticed it, but they still went to the effort of making sure that it was in there and said, "Hang on, we need to get this in there," even though it's a little thing. It was really important, and having that sort of because um, obviously the loading screen of the game is that kind of window scene, and having that in every in every uh, every episode as well is also a really really interesting thing. I heard I heard um, was it was it Neil Druckmann that said that they were they were trying to make it an interactive tv show yeah. where yeah yeah the the window would be at the start of every episode then you had to like press
0: the. Button. i don't how would you how would I'm you so feel about that i'm so glad they didn't do that because that just gives <laughs> me like what was that interactive black mirror episode oh yeah yeah like yeah, yeah. it yeah. was just like if you want to be treated seriously in in a medium just be stay true to that medium and keep maintain the spirit as long as the spirit's there and don't like avoid gimmicks and stuff yeah yeah
1: yeah, it would, just, it would just annoy people too much at the beginning of each episode, wouldn't it? And potentially turn people off from the show entirely. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm so glad they didn't do it as well.
2: Well, the, the good news is for the fans of The Last of Us like ourselves, the next episode is actually available early. So the next episode, episode five, is will be available Friday evening at 2am for, for UK uh, people in the UK. And that's due to the Super Bowl being on this weekend, Um Yay, uh, which will be on. Uh, any big Super Bowl fans uh, among us? No? No. Not particularly. No. Big fan of no. the
0: trailers? Oh, what, yeah, other
2: commercials are cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of the wings um, that go along with the with the Super Bowl, so I, I normally have that as an excuse just to eat
0: chicken wings. Oh, nice. Um, I wonder what that's... you meant by wings then. I don't know if Tom was the same. I thought you were going to... I was a bit lost, <laughs> to be honest. I was waiting
1: for the clarification. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's just a thing isn't it it's just you get some chicken wings and and yeah. you know a bit of buffalo sauce and stuff I, I i enjoy that i watch it every year just because i i find it just really interesting
0: the whole spectacle how, but how long is the the entire super bowl like how long does it last for oh hours yeah. i think four four hours maybe okay because i did the um... royal rumble a couple of weeks ago and i instantly regretted it i was like yeah. oh my god i'm dying <laughs> i got work in the morning like, yeah well once
2: once you commit that You have to kind of stay through it, I think, at that point. Um, and th- there was one year when, um, I can't remember who was playing, but I know the Tom Brady was playing for the Patriots, and the Patriots were down a certain amount. And it was like half-time, end of the second quarter, and I went to bed after the half-time show. And then I got up and the Patriots had won. Tom Brady had like, brought them back from the dead, um, and I missed all the good bits. Uh, so I'm not doing that this year. Uh, I'll make sure to stick around for it. But, uh at least it's yeah. not as long as
1: the Grammys wasn't that like eight hours or something a few days ago. I remember waking up, it? checking Twitter, and seeing some developments from it. I checked it eight hours later after my shift, and it was still going <laughs> on. <laughs> I was like, "What is,
2: what is this?" Jeez, oh, it's like it's like these sort of I, 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 that it completely like sort of related. But I'm really enjoying these like these like developer direct sort of things where they're shortening them to like they the cramming. Like we saw with the Xbox and Bethesda mm. thing. There was loads of information crammed in a cra- like crammed in a short amount of time. There was no fluff. There was no, there was no like you know, corporatey stuff. It was just these are the games that we're going to go through one by one, ticking them off and just going through. Um, I really enjoy that kind of new. That it's like a newfound thing for for games. I don't know if, if you've seen that because I've watched a, a fair few uh, games conferences where they just go on for hours talking about certain things in the game. You're like, come on, I want to, I want to see the next one. Uh, yeah. So I'm really enjoying this this uh, renaissance.
0: I don't know I always have a love hate relationship with the old school style of like you know E3 press conferences because mm. I like seeing people muck up as well uh, as much as the yeah, announcement yeah, yeah. yeah, and like the, the awkward stuff but you know if, t- less less pessimistically uh, if that's even word like without the the live stuff you 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 miss moments like David Solani the the creator of Mario Rabbids like crying in the audience and you miss mm. that when Kratos steps into the frame at that 2017 E3 press conference and you hear the crowd, but like, mm. I get chills just thinking about it to this day. But in terms of an efficient way to a fun and efficient way to deliver information, yeah, the, the sort of direct format, the developer directs is pretty good. Which yeah, I totally which,
2: agree. Which um we had the rock recently, didn't we? Uh do you remember that? The rock was just randomly like on his phone, like you know, streaming to his phone or something. What what announcement was that? I can't remember.
0: it not about that- last remember. year's game awards was he promoting his drink again oh that oh, was it like
2: black adam wasn't he or something yeah that was yeah it. yeah that was just an awkward moment where you're like this so doesn't awful. make sense um yeah but yeah. the good the good and the bad i suppose isn't it those awkward moments are always uh, yeah memorable, i, mean, I suppose. You, you could never beat keanu reeves
1: coming out on stage promoting <laughs> cyberpunk that was yeah that was a moment you're that breathtaking
2: you're <laughs> yeah
0: that was no you're st- breathtaking <laughs> yeah that was such a wild time that was the last in-person e3 like before the pandemic and lockdown and stuff but um like because keanu reeves everything had been perfectly lined up like john wick was as popular as it ever was like cyberpunk hype was true and like it's, if someone had told me in advance of him walking out keanu reeves in this gown, like what are the chances no way mm-hmm. and then that curtain comes up and Oh my god keanu reeves is in cyberpunk Like, what? Yeah. The... yeah yeah
2: yeah it was great but obviously um the rock was also the guy that was with bill gates and he launched the original xbox which was like an yeah. iconic moment so i don't want to be too hard on harsh on him because he's he was there in the in the big moment i suppose for games yeah, um, yeah
1: like aaron touched on I, I i like these direct like showcases that are very to the point because obviously people's attention spans nowadays are like so short that you need yeah. to get your point across relatively quickly but i do miss those like awkward exchanges on on presentation stages where you've got like a group of four people playing a co-op game and they're talking like in real cliches like like hi dave how are you like getting <laughs> hey, ready to storm this building i'm going left and stuff. do like i do miss that that kind of cringe
2: yeah and i love that when it doesn't work either uh, that's yeah. sensational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just those those moments, and the the kind of Apple Apple have seemed to perfected that uh, of kind of the pre recorded live situation where most of their stuff is like you get Tim Cook and he says a few lines and they go to a, a, a like a pre cut thing and then someone else comes and says yeah so. I prefer that kind of live emotion, but I also like the short directs as well. So, but I'm sure me, me and Aaron will find that out later tonight when we cover the Nintendo Direct. And Tom, you're more than welcome to stick around for our live blog um, and keep up with the latest on everything Zelda and all that kind of st- all that kind of good stuff. Um, so straight straight into the fire, Aaron. Today, in yeah, your first, in, your, in your first week of Nintendo Direct, doing video content, going on a live.
0: Um, Doing it live. At yeah. Nintendo, they were like, Aaron's starting at Mirror Gaming. Announce the Direct. Let's do it. Come Let's on. Let's drop it. Let's drop give the, it. 100%. Give the man what he wants. Yeah. Can I just say, Scott's last comment, he's an absolute mad lad, this guy. <laughs> because <laughs> that Doom movie is, again, bringing it back down to The Rock. The Rock's in that. He plays the bad guy. So, Scott, uh, he says, you say that, but the FPS bit in Doom slaps. And I think that's referring to like the gimmick, like games of adaptations and stuff. That yeah. is pretty fun, but... What a reference!
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a brilliant reference. Yeah, William Scott. Um, just before we go into our next topic, while we're on like movies and get, have you got any particularly? You, I mean, you mentioned Resident Evil or something. Do you have you got any like favorable or memorable uh, TV uh, TV or film video game adaptations that you that memorable, good or bad?
0: Tom, do you do you have anything that comes to mind or?
1: I mean, the, the, the Super Mario movie comes to mind for all the wrong reasons. Mm. You know, sometimes I just put that film on just to remind myself of how <laughs> what a weird time that was for that when that mm. film came out and how bad it was. But yeah, apart from that, like, I, I can't really remember the last time there was like a really great video game adaptation apart from, from The Last of Us. So it's it's great to see that we're, we're moving mm. towards a time where you know, the, the properties and stuff are being adapted in, in the right way, but um, yeah, it's kind of hard to forget where we came from uh, <laughs> to where we yeah. are. Now.
0: I, I have a particularly soft spot for that. I know we had another recent adaptation uh, of the Mortal Kombat uh, property and, and that movie was all right. The new one, I, it kind of seemed to be like held back a bit by budgetary restraints and stuff. Um, not a lot of action. The characters come and go instantly. But it didn't first... even have the tournament in it, though. Didn't no, it, the uh, one didn't The Insane. Absolutely insane. It was like the prelude to the tournament as well but that bit when scorpion turns up at the end that was pretty cool but the original 1994 mortal combat movie oh. um you know the the go to bit i always go through for how awesome awesome that movie is and i do genuinely love it as a guilty pleasure is when the reptile you know crawls into the statue and just in case you still didn't know that it was reptile an announcer in addition to the music goes reptile and then he and then they start fighting and i'm like amazing why didn't we have this for every character baraka sub-zero lu kang you know sort of stuff so it's like a
1: bit of yeah. asmr embedded into the into the yeah film. literally yeah.
0: and i think it was skrillex like decades later like he had oh, a, really like, it was called reptiles theme and it was from that movie like everyone was that's going awesome. mad for it that's but brilliant that's i'm brilliant. not quite sure if it had reptile in it yeah did you
1: both see the uh uncharted movie that came out not too long ago
2: I'm going to take that as, as a yes from
1: Aaron and he I absolutely hated I it. <laughs> I, don't,
2: I don't want to talk about that. Uh, just, just. I thought blandness. it was great in
1: parts, and something that I appreciate about the Last of Us is that like the theme from the game is like so present throughout the, yeah. of the show, and obviously yeah. during the credits. And one of my biggest like grievances with with the Uncharted movie is that the theme was nowhere to be seen. You could like hear it very faintly during certain scenes, but when you've got such an amazing piece of music like that, why would why is that not like soaring throughout oh. 80% of the movie.
0: I totally agree. I totally agree. I yeah. even like the Uncharted Four version of the theme where they speed it up a little bit and it's a bit more dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that would have fit the movie a bit a bit more modern if they were worried about that. Um yeah.
2: Yeah. L- Lewis says Uncharted was awful. Mark Wahlberg was dreadful casting in my opinion.
0: Well he he famously was originally cast as Nathan Drake and then he's been yeah. the yeah. hell for so long that, <laughs> you know, he played Sully. Uh they, should have, they I,
1: should have cast Brian Cranston as Sully like he was the, the perfect person for that role, yeah. surely. Yeah. I thought the
0: Chloe casting was perfect. The, yeah. that, 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 that character yeah. didn't have much to do in the movie, but she was great.
2: Hmm. I, I mean, I, I like the original Tomb Raider movie with Angelina Jolie I thought that was really good and not not because it was close to a video game or whatever but just because it, it just felt when, when you watched it it didn't feel like it was a video game adaptation or when you watch it with someone else almost like The Last of Us it was one of those ones where we like oh this is a game and then you kind of got into that kind of conversation but um yeah I was, I was always a fan of that and obviously Mortal Kombat as well that you, that you bring up but uh but yeah it's 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 been The Last of Us has been just a kind of breath of fresh air hasn't it just with the way it's been been done that's the, that's the blueprint for how you do it going forward isn't it yeah, yeah. absolutely
0: it's why i'm even more worried about it. you hear st- it seems like every week um play a playstation property is getting announced uh to be adapted into a tv show like the sweet tooth thing i think the sweet tooth um twisted metal adaptation twisted metal, yeah. is well underway anthony mackie's starring in it i do like will arnett voicing sweet tooth i like the sound of that i could get on board with that but then how do you do god of war live action how do you do, oh, who do you cast
2: I the budget know. for that m- w- must be off the scale it has to be if it's not off the scale it's not going to work um in the, the environment the environments have to be sensational for that for that to work and obviously the casting as well we've done a, a casting uh on our tiktok <laughs> where every character was tom holland it's <laughs> um... a fantastic
1: video that's
2: <laughs> how you do it i'm not going to take credit for that uh, matt if you're watching matt is sensational work there um mm-hmm. Jumping on the fact that Tom Holland's casting everything. I mean, he might work um, as Freya, maybe, but I don't I think don't, I don't <laughs> any, any other character. But yeah, that that would have to be, you know, sensational. Um, and I'm, the, really ca-
0: the I'm really annoyed with that show that they're just picking up straight from the Norse saga rather mm. than going to the Greek stuff, because I understand while they're doing it, like that's the iconography of the franchise yeah. now. But in terms of like, you know, maturing and modernizing that original Greek revenge yeah. story, I think... Yeah. Part of the reason why returning players feel so much emotion, like if anything, with that God of War Ragnarok, I wanted a bit more, more callbacks to the Greek stuff. They kind of played it very subtle. Whereas the cool, uh, well, I won't spoil twenty eighteen, but there's a very cool bit which plays respect to that era.
1: Part of me though wants to see a a God of War film directed by Zack Snyder in the style of like three hundred, just to like total gore, like total violence. Mm. That's I just think that would lend. Lend itself well to those games and then we get kind of the the more mature take when you kind of adapt the the later games
0: that's a good idea actually yeah
2: yeah you could have different episodes directed by different people um and yeah. different parental parental advisory on on one. that that could be interesting and there's obviously going to be a fallout um tv series as well um that's and i don't know how they're going to do that uh either um because the, the, there's not any kind of as I said, there's no standout characters, but there's there's no like huge characters in that way. You think of Fallout and you think of, oh, yeah, this character, this character, this character. Um, so that's an interesting that's an interesting one. I don't know how how they'll how they'll do that
0: personally. But um, uh... I think I think the big challenge for all these TV shows that aren't The Last of Us is they haven't necessarily got HBO backing or that prestige. That's and true. Like the, re- yeah. the reason The Last of Us, HBO works so well is because it has got that sort of like cachet. Um, I mean, I watched the first two episodes of Rings of Power, and it looked okay from what I was, from what I saw. But I don't think people came away. Most people came away with it thinking, "Wow, that was brilliant," and that had like a load of money put behind it. So I just, I don't think it's just the money thing. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, you have to get the casting spot on as well, don't you? Like with Last of Us, the, the casting has been spot on. So uh, there's a lot of things to think about for that one, and there's a lot of things to think about if you're um, thinking about getting PS Plus because uh, the collection has been axed uh in its reveal of the ps plus february 2023 lineup sony announced that it's removing the free ps plus collection which has been a perk for ps plus members on ps5 since the console first launched back in 2020 the ps plus collection is made up of 19 ps4 classics um Including Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, uh, Fallout 4 and The Last of Us Remastered to name a few. PS members have until May the night to add their games to their library before their PS Plus collection is scrapped for good. They include Batman, Arkham Knight, Battlefield 1, Bloodborne, Clue Duty Ops 3, Crash Bandicoot, Insane Trilogy, Days Gone, Return Become Human, Fallout 4, Final Fantasy 15 Royal Edition, God of War, Infamous Second Son, The Last Guardian, The Last of Us Remastered, Monster Underworld, Mortal Kombat, Kombat X, Ratchet and Clank, Resident Evil Seven, Biohazard, and a few more. Um, what? Why do you think they've done this? I mean, I you kind of touched on
1: it earlier, Aaron, right is yeah. that like the the purpose of the perk now has kind of like outlived its its usefulness. Like it was a a perfect way to to get people who are maybe picking up a PlayStation Five and their first PlayStation system um, to be kind of introduced to a to a great back catalogue of, of PlayStation Four games. And now, like, you, you you could probably assume that a lot of people have now played these games. And obviously, with The Last of Us Remastered being on there, they may want to be, like, pushing sales for the actual, like, PlayStation 5 remake and things like that. So, I think it's got to a point now where they're obviously not seeing as many people, you know, use that that perk and download those games and things like that.
0: Yeah, I, th- I totally agree with Tom. Like I said, I mentioned it um, earlier. It's, um, it's kind of served its purpose. I know they've just started to, you know, PS5s have become more widely available, but I think it's in PlayStation's sort of like priority uh, that they try and swerve people towards the the mainline PlayStation Plus offering because, you know, it's bleeding subscribers, as we learned, not too long ago. It's not, you know, it's a confusing proposition, but it's one that Sony still seem to think uh, can make work. Um, I personally think they need to streamline it, streamline it. You know, two tiers is enough, you know, value or prestige something like that it works pretty well for nintendo right now um because you know for all of game passes faults and you know on the whole it is a good value service um particularly if you've not played games in the last 10 years a little bit of shade there um <laughs> it's yeah. um it's definitely a much more value centric and understandable offering um so yeah the playstation plus collection's got to go because any of those games could be added onto to uh, getting people to subscribe to the mainline playstation plus mm. i think that's the reason
2: yeah, and on about to- uh, got to go, uh, I think that's time to end the show there. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Aaron, uh, for your debut on the walkthrough. Str- uh, strong performance, I thought, on your first first appearance. Plenty of hot topics, spicy takes uh, getting into in your first appearance.
0: So, uh, yeah. I feel like I'm on football focus or something. Good performance. <laughs> uh, lost it in the second half there for a second don't know about but, uh, th- the
1: xbox shade but there we go <laughs> yeah yeah
0: thanks for thanks for having me it's been a blast and uh nathan tom pleasure talking to you guys awesome
2: no thanks aaron and uh thanks tom uh as always uh coming on and uh just as just as spicy uh this week so thank you so much tom for always a on. pleasure Yeah, and thank you to everyone who's who's watched the walkthrough. We'll be back again next week at 4pm with all the latest gaming news from the last week. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, please drop a like and subscribe and get the notifications on for the next time that we go live. Uh, But as ever, thank you so much for watching. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next week.